0: If we can please open up a Bible together. We've got a very, very simple and short message today uh, with just one thought of encouragement. And you can open up your Bible with me to the book of Acts once again, uh, as we are preaching through this book. It's our third series in the book of Acts. And we are calling the series, Tales of the Table. Um, And I think it's fitting that usually during this time and the holidays, we are around tables. Um, and the reason is in this third series and Acts, we've been saying as we get to this portion of the book, as we're working through it, um, that you kind of see the reality that the early church has no monuments in the forms of temples and synagogues and holy spaces that you can go and visit today. Almost none of those exist. And the reason is because the most powerful gathering, what made the church what it is, that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's the historical narrative of the early church, the very first Jesus followers. What made the church the church was never the temple it was the table that's the place where people got to know Jesus where they were filled with the spirit where people got to understand what this kingdom is all about and thousands of these meals in the ancient Near East is where the boundaries of gender and background and class all these things got broken down and how you get to the most impactful social movement for good in the history of mankind It was the stories around these tables. So what would those tables tell us today? If we could share those stories just once again. And here's the thing we've been saying is, man, we have access to the very same Holy Spirit. We have the very same good news gospel in us and through us. So what could our tales of our tables in our offices and our homes and our communes, what could they start telling if we take this gospel seriously? So the last two weeks, man, it's been fireworks in this book and um, to not disappoint you, but today is almost like the off ram from all these big things. Last week was probably the biggest moment up to that point in the history of the church and by implication, so many things in our world as they had this gathering called the Jerusalem Council gonna wrestle out, will we add something to the scandalous grace of Jesus? Will we make it a Jesus plus something? Or will we say, no, this gospel, this grace is so scandalous that it's not what you can do for God. It's what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. And the church put a stake in the ground saying, we're gonna fight for that as the message. Not Jesus plus culture, not Jesus plus being Afrikaans or English or Sutu, not Jesus plus your background or your parents, not Jesus plus anything, dressing a certain way. It's not Jesus plus minus tattoos, minus not doing the certain things, looking a certain way, talking a certain way. No, we're not gonna add anything. It's the scandalous grace of Jesus. And so now what we're going to pick up is it's going to give us a bit of almost like what's happened in the meantime. We're going to see that Paul, some of his companions are saying, listen, we've had this epic first missionary journey into the Mediterranean, planting these Jesus communities called churches. And we think it's time we go back to those guys and we go and encourage them again. And I don't want you to, as we read this passage, is very short in comparison to the ones you've been doing. I don't want you to hear just simply, you know, and then Paul did this, and then this happened, and then they went there, and, you know, thank you, amen, Jesus. You know, enjoy your Sunday. I don't think that's what I want to get at. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in a profound way And without us planning it, as we're just working through this book, I think this is the perfect message for the 18th of December. Even Tony and Danny, we were all at the same wedding yesterday. One of the couples in our church, they did the photos and they've been up, I think, for like 74 hours straight. So I know many people feel like Tony and Danny today. This message, spiritually, emotionally, is exactly what we need. So let's read together. Acts 15, 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and the sisters in every town where we have preached the Word of the Lord and listen to this and see how they are doing. How are you doing this morning? And maybe you feel the pressure to walk in here, especially with the amount of people that we are and you feel like, man, I really need to put up a brave face. That's the Christian thing to do. Smile through your teeth, Uh, just keep going, just be brave, be strong. Man, after probably the two most confusing years the world has ever seen, can I just ask you, how are you doing? Listen, to so a podcast just uh, was walking through this list of the top 10 podcasts of 2022. And one that was on many lists was literally a podcast about everyday gossip, normal gossiping, just like three girls, must be girls, I'm guessing. Uh, and they're not gossiping about celebrity news. They're just gossiping about like stuff in their town. And it's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And as they kick this off, they say they realise how oh, this thing has gone viral. People are just so hungry for human contact. And yet they say, they kind of tongue in cheek saying, all three of us are speaking to our therapists at the moment saying, man, 2022 was the year when everything just came out. The last two years worth of stuff just kind of came out. And I'm just asking you, how are you doing? So they continue, verse 41. So they travelled through Syria and Cilicia. And what were they doing? challenging the churches, giving marching orders to the churches, calling them to attention. No, it says they went and they strengthened. They strengthened the people who had begun to follow Jesus. Paul went on to Derby and Lystra where there was a disciple named Timothy the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was Greek. He's half Jewish, half Greek. And the brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke very highly of this young man. We're going to see him become this incredible leader in the early church. And Paul wanted Timothy to go with them, become part of this team that's going on these missionary journeys. So he took him and circumcised them because of the Jews who were in those places, And since they all knew that his father was a Greek... As they travelled through the towns, they delivered this decision which we spoke about last week. Let's keep the scandalous grace exactly what it is. Let's take this message to these other churches. They sent it by the apostles and the elders of Jerusalem for the people to observe. And then once again, verse five is where we end. It says, and the churches were what? They were tired. They were challenged. They were called to new heights. No, it says the churches were strengthened. They were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily number and that's it just a bit of travelogue a bit of where's Paul this week and yet there's a theme that's so clear let me illustrate so 7pm October 20th 1968 Mexico City it's the Olympic Stadium and Everything is basically gearing down. They're almost about to switch off the lights. The last couple of hundred people in the stadium are kind of filing out. Uh, They had just witnessed this incredible victory in the marathon item where Mamo Valdi of Ethiopia, of course, it's never like a guy from Egypt, The Ethiopians, he literally stormed to a new world record, just powering over the finish line in this 41-kilometer race. And people were just in awe of this man's endurance, his stamina, running for his country. And as everyone, like all these other runners, had finished long ago, some of them had been taken to the first aid stations. These guys had given everything. And just as they're about to finish off, there's this kind of ruckus coming from the gates of the stadium. And there's sirens and people whistling and something's happening there. And so the people kind of turn the last couple of few, they turn their attention to what's happening. And in runs this lone figure <laughs> wearing the colours of Tanzania. And I say running, but he was, he was limping. <laughs> he wasn't running. It wasn't a triumphant run. It was this very painful looking limp into the stadium. And this man, John Stephen aquari He had taken a very, very bad fall somewhere during this 41 kilometre race. And yet here, almost an hour later, he limps forward. And as he's about to finish this very last lap of this massive race, the people left the stadium. They're like, this is incredible. And they start standing to their feet and they start cheering this guy on and cheering him on. And it's not as if he's going any faster because this man is hurting. And he finally, not even triumphantly, but just kind of falls over the finish line and he just lies there. And as medical personnel rush in, uh, one of the journalists, because that's what you need to do, she just kind of goes right at him and she asks him, So why did you not just quit? Why did you not stop? You look so bad. You look injured. You look in pain. And he famously said these recorded words answered, ma'am, my country did not send me 11,000 kilometers to start a race, but to finish it. And when I hear that story, especially on the 18th of December, (laughs) after two incredibly weird and challenging years of our lives, I think, do you get a better picture of the Christian faith? The Christian faith is not for the strong and the epic and the, the immovable who sprints over the finish line. The Christian faith is a marathon. And in this passage, the commentators all say we get basically no principles (laughs) there's nothing from this text today like and now we can you know examine this and we can go and apply that and we can just contemplate this there's nothing like that there's just one through line as almost a throwaway idea and yet you realize once again it's by the dr luke as he's writing this record of the early church he just throws it in there once again that don't miss the fact that this was the success of the early church three times it says the same thing Verse 1, it says, let's go back. Yes, let's go to those brothers and sisters, these Jesus communities we've planted. And let's go back to those that have become Christian and what? And let's see how they are doing. And then secondly, it says, so they traveled to these places and what? They strengthened these people. Those who started the race, who started following Jesus, you know what they need at the moment? It's not marching orders, not to be called to task. They need strengthening. They need to hear once again, friends, this is not a race. This is a marathon. And finally again, the churches were strengthened. Can I maybe say something that you have not heard in a long while? And maybe I can just say it to you again today. Friends, God is faithful toward you in ways that you cannot fully fathom. And His plan for you is not to start this race that we call faith, but see to it that you finish and flourish all the way to the end. You see, this man, as brave as he was, he was running from a place of pride for country, for my people, for my family, my coaches, those around me. I cannot stop now. I I didn't come 11,000 kilometers to start this race. I came to finish it. And as absolutely epic as, I, as that is, man, as someone used to run it, but I, I wish I had a story like that to tell. And yet I realise, as powerful as that is, friends, as Christians, we do not have grit and self-control and determination. We are more pious and holy than other people in the city. We've got better religious practices. We're smarter. We're more clever. Now what we have is the spirit, presence and power of God within us and a father who says, I am more committed to you than you can ever understand. I'm not looking to you to finish this race on my behalf. I have made the covenant commitment to carry you to the end if needed. And guess what? You are gonna take some hard tumbles. As John Stephen Aquari came into that stadium, literally with his his one leg bandaged up from this race, friends, we are going to stumble at times. We're gonna fall into seasons of doubt and struggle and hurt. The church is gonna frustrate you. The pastor is gonna offend you. The people are gonna hurt you at times. There will be moments where you feel like, man, this whole thing doesn't make sense anymore. The country that I live in, the circumstances I'm facing, the fact that my mom suddenly gets struck with cancer, the fact that my my, my favorite person in the world is just moving away and abandoning me, all these things will happen, friends. There will be times where you epically fail in your own Christian convictions. We will fall hard on our faces and then there will be a moment where not I'm asking you, stand up, finish the race. Come on, do better. Get it Get it done. It's gonna be a moment to hear again. You know what the strengthening of the church always was? To hear once again, that it's God more committed to you than even you can ever be to your own faith. It's the God who says, I'm going to see to it through the grace of my Son, through the power of my Spirit presence within you. That you do not simply get invited into the joining of a race that is new life, that is identity, that's adoption, that's freedom, but that you will see yourself cross that line to the very end. How often does our faith just become a bunch of do's? Do more, do this, do that. I said last week, how many of us, if I ask you today, how's it going with your faith? If you're a Christian here today, how's it going with your faith? And most of us will begin, the first thought that comes to mind is, oh, Joe, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been reading the Bible. You know, I, I know I haven't been to church as much as I should, but you know, th- today I'm here. It's the 18th of December, Joe. I'm here and I'm, I'm doing this in this new rhythm and I'm, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm not cursing as much as I used to. And, I'm, and we've got so many do's that we, in the end, literally feel like, listen, this thing is, it's, it's breaking me, trying to keep up the Christian facade, the Christian race, trying to, trying to run this thing. And what you need to hear today is that it is not within your power to do this. Friends, I am the pastor of this church. I cannot do Christianity in my own strength. I literally do not have it within me. There are people who can finish 41-kilometer races on basically a fractured leg. That can happen. But to do the beautiful thing that God has called you to, that can only happen when I completely surrender to the power and the grace of a Father who carries me when necessary. And can I just encourage you today? Maybe, maybe in the last couple of months, you felt like, man, I've, I'm not sure if I'm progressing, if I'm seeing as much change as I used to see or I'm recently into this Christian faith and I kind of feel like, man, a lot of the old habits and, and voices and lies and things are just calling back to me. Can I encourage you with what Craig Rochelle often says? He says, don't overestimate what you can do in five years. And don't underestimate what God can do in and through you in 30 years. Maybe 40 years, 50 years. Jason and Mandy in our church, they're away at the moment. but We saw them just in this week and they were saying, I think they're going to their grandparents. They've got their 68th wedding anniversary this weekend. They're like 92 and 93. They've been married for 68 years. I just think, man, that... That again is me, such a picture of don't overestimate what you can do in the next five years for God, I'm gonna run. And and then one day you feel like, man, I remember the good old times when I was passionate about my faith, my 20s or my 30s or my teens, when I had such a a raw passion for Jesus, but that's long gone. Now it's cultural Christianity and I'm a CEO Christian, you know, Christmas and Easter and I, I do all those things. But God says, no, no, no. Don't overestimate what you can do in the five. Don't underestimate what I can do in and through you in 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, years of my power within you, my voice over you, my identity transforming you from the inside out. God is more faithful to you than you can ever fully fathom. And Paul and them realize we need to go to these churches and say, so you, you know what you need on the 18th of December, <laughs> the end of 2020 something, as we've been saying on stage 72 of load shedding and all these waiting things and it's the ANC elective conference and all these things just like flying under the radar on our emotions. You know what you need? Paul says, we need to go back and we need to strengthen the people. Last thought or two is I love the fact that here we actually see Timothy enter into the, the story. This young leader who will have such a footprint I can't wait one day in the new creation to have a conversation with this young man. Just teach me your ways, man. This guy had such a profound trust in God as a young man. And here we see him. Paul coming across his path. This man had met Jesus. And immediately there's an anointing on his life. Man, this guy's gonna become a powerful leader in the early church. And it's so cool because here we see the beginning of his journey and yet if you go and read first and second timothy here we have paul the apostle now an old man in rome under house arrest he's about to die and he's writing his final words to who had now become like his young protege his two i see the yoda figure to his to his young padawan and he's writing to him and he's saying listen what started here but we read here today, he writes to him in 1 Timothy 1.18 in just one verse, the whole letter is like this, but he says to him, listen, my son, Timothy, this, this term of endearment in the faith, he says, I'm giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies, the, the word that God spoke over your life, in keeping with those prophecies previously made about you so that by recalling those things that God spoke at the beginning, that you may fight the good fight my time is done. But I'm not saying to you, man up. I'm saying to you, God spoke a word at the beginning. When you were not seeking Him, when He came to find you, when you didn't have your life altogether as a good moral religious person, but He came to redeem you and adopt you and restore you. When you put your faith in the finished work of Christ and nothing was ever the same again. He said, there was a word spoken over you by God. And He says, in this season, my son, Go back to that Word and fight the good fight. God had not put you on a path to start a race. He is committed to you to see that race finished. And what does that look like in closing? The writers to the Hebrews, he's exactly in the same space of mind that Paul is here. And he says this to all of us maybe today. What was the contents of this strengthening of these churches? I don't know. Maybe they just had epic games nights and Pizza nights and just had a good time hanging out as all these new Christians. I don't know. But I think it probably sounded very much like Hebrews 12:1. It says, Therefore, since we, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower here today, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies. Before us. And how do we do that? With grit, with promise. Make your new year's resolution somewhere on this side of the new year. Then you'll be even more powerful going into next year. I'm gonna read the Bible, I'm gonna make it work. I'm definitely gonna coast less. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this thing done in early next year. The gyms and the churches are full in the first three months of the year. We're gonna we're gonna make it work. How do we do that? Is that how we finish the race? No, it says this is how you do it by keeping your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. I love some of these other translations. The founder and the completer, the source and the perfecter of your faith. For the joy that was laid before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's by looking to Him today that I say, God, man, I just want to rest once again in your deep covenant commitment to my faith. Even when I feel faithless, you are ever faithful. Even when I feel deeply tired and broken, you are ever steadfast. Even when I feel I'm not doing this thing the way that I should be doing it, God remains immoved in His love and His grace for you. Friend, God is more faithful to you. He's faithful in ways to you that you cannot fully fathom. And His plan is not simply for you to start this race. But His plan is to see to it that you finish and flourish all the way to the end. Never meant 11,000 kilometers. God did not come all the way from His kingdom of light to my situation to see me start. He came to see me finish. Can I pray that over you today? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for our church. Pray for those on holiday at the moment, even even if they just enjoying their time away and resting. I pray that even in this moment as we intercede for them and for every person here, that they would experience this profound rest just entering into their soul. This profound sense of ease, just of joy, of that invitation again to say, trust me, lean fully into my strength. Know that I am your God. And I pray, God, that we would bring this year to an end in the posture of the victory of the one who goes before us, Jesus. And I just pray, can we lay our emotions and our doubts and our struggles and our joys and our hopes, God, for those who've had just an amazing, amazing year. All of that, we just lay before you as you see us, God, every year, every decade to the very end. In Jesus' name we pray.